Hello and welcome back to Complexity Unpacked. This is our seventh episode in the Ethics Unpacked series, and today we're going to take a look at virtue-based ethics, as proposed by Aristotle and Confucius. So this theory primarily focuses on the actor, right, the person in question. And Aristotle is a key influential thinker on the subject. He would argue that the most important aspect to leading an ethical life is to be a virtuous person. He was more concerned with character and less with actions and rules. So I guess everything for him followed that if a person was virtuous, then their actions would be virtuous and the rules they followed would be virtuous. So he starts with the character. Virtue ethics emphasizes that character, whether good or bad, defines a person. Keep in mind that the opposite of virtue is vice here. So we're talking about acting in a virtuous or a rightful way, and that's opposed to something else. Right? The end goal of a virtuous life is human flourishing, what Aristotle called eudaimonia, right? meaning well-being. That's how it would, it would translate nicely. But human flourishing or well-being was this ultimate state that we were trying to accomplish. It was the purpose of a life well-lived, and it was the product of being good and living an ethical life. So, virtues, according to Aristotle, are reliable habits that are part of your identity. Right? More specifically, these are habits that orient you towards what is good. Reliable habits can be good or bad. So, the focus here is on positive, settled habits that avoid vices and acquire virtues. So, being virtuous in this way would entail it being a permanent part of your identity not something you can turn on and off whenever it suited you. It would not be situational, but rather it would be the underlying and constant motivation for all of your thinking, all of your action, and all of your reasoning. So based on this position, there would be no ethical free zones in society. Everything follows with pro from proper motivation. So the virtuous person does not just think the right things, they also feel the right things and act in the right way. This means you cannot simply do what virtue demands, but you must internalize it and be motivated by it. Self-control and the capacity to merely suppress your other inclinations does not make you virtuous. right? So Aristotle would say you'd need to use practical wisdom, what he called phronesis. And that is this creative capacity to make good judgments in a variety of situations that does not rely on rules or formulas. This is the focus on reason working in combination with virtue to provide the ability to identify the ethical choice. So keep in mind here that what Aristotle is actually arguing is that every situation is unique and different. And so he's saying you cannot apply a single set of rules to every situation because every situation involves a particular person dealing with a particular set of circumstances at a particular time. So his theory says, if you are a virtuous person, then in all circumstances, in all situations, regardless of what you're facing, you will make good choices. Aristotle considered the good to be things that do not require ulterior motives or as means to some other end. They were good 
just because that was the end in itself. Meaning your actions shouldn't be motivated by achieving something else in return. This is how he differentiates between the good and a good, right? So think about it like this. Money might be good. It allows us to do other things and it creates options. But money in itself is not the end purpose of our of a life well lived, right? It's a means to a life well lived, perhaps. It's a means to help and be charitable. It's a means to accomplish something else. In and upon itself, it isn't the greatest thing in the world, right? Now, obviously, that view might change from person to person. But basically, what we're saying at this in this point is, if you are appropriately motivated, you're not just going to do the right thing because it's going to get you somewhere. So if you come to class and you're a great student because you want your teacher or your professor um, to give you a recommendation, and the only reason you're being good is because you're looking for something in return. It's not how you would ordinarily act if you didn't want something. Well, Aristotle would say you're not a virtuous person then. In fact, he would probably argue that you're self-centered and egotistic. He's saying to be virtuous. You must be virtuous because it's the right thing to do. Now, there are two views we can have um, presented to us on what living virtuously uh, actually means. right? So one was by Aristotle, and the other is, um, who's from Athens, and the other is by Confucius from China. They both agreed that being virtuous was a central part of leading an excellent life. They differed on what an excellent human life was, though. So for Aristotle, he believed that a good life for humans was a virtuous life lived in accordance with reason. He believed a human being lives excellently when expressing the use, the use of rational capacity. So this involves moderating our basic in, uh, human instincts and developing the virtue of temperance leading to better balance, right? So controlling those primal urges, if you will, and knowing how to act in the right way and not just giving in to our sort of natural desires. He believed that humans were social beings and temperance accounted for the needs of other people. So when you take other people in consideration and you don't just prioritize your basic needs and your basic wants, then that enables reciprocity. So he called the virtues that referred to one's social, uh, social life as moral virtues. But equally important, he believed that people needed to develop their intellectual virtues, such as wisdom, right, centered in human rational capacity. All of this required humans to think past the moment and look at the broader implications of the choices they were making. In Aristotle's view, moral virtues support the intellectual virtues, right? And Aristotle believed that being virtuous could not be done in the traditional way because the person had to be intrinsically motivated to want to be virtuous. You couldn't make someone virtuous. You can't just teach people how to do it because then their motivation for doing it would, would not be pure. Now, Confucius, on the other hand, was not opposed to reason. He just put a higher priority on, rela on the relational nature of human beings. So he too believed that humans were extremely social, right? So for Confucius, the good life is a virtuous life lived in harmony with one's social roles. Therefore, in his view, a person who is egotistic and selfish could never achieve real humanity, right? They would never flourish. They would never live virtuously.
he believed that virtuous living starts in the family. He valued the virtue of diligence, which directed people towards understanding their various social roles and what they involved. For him, that primary means of socialization came from the family, and it was so instructive about how you would turn out. He probably went a little, you know, a little further than we would expect. He believed if you came from a good family, you had a much better chance of being virtuous. And if you came from a bad family, your likelihood of being virtuous was extremely limited. He believed that being an excellent human was synonymous with being an excellent community member. So he viewed the community and society as larger extensions of the family. For this reason, he puts a great deal of emphasis on early socialization within the family and considers it central to human development. Based on his views of social relationships, he argued that one's public, social, and political life was nothing more than a mere extension of their natural family life. Now, Confucius also believed that teaching virtue was only possible if the student was motivated and driven to learn. So the two of them had that in common. But a key concept that both included in their respective philosophies was that virtue is a way of being that lies between two polar opposites, right? both of which they considered vices. So if you will, it's the gray area between two extremes. So think about courage as a virtue, right? On the one extreme, you can be extremely cowardice, like you can be afraid of everything. And on the other extreme, you can have no fear at all, and so you act rashly in every given situation. Well, they would argue that being a coward was just as bad and just as much of a vice as being rash. Because when you're rash, you don't put wise judgment and practical thinking in all of your decisions. You just kind of run in. So courage would be the middle point between being rash and being a coward. And that's what they meant by virtue lies in the middle. They both would concur that being virtuous is a lifelong process. It may start with mirroring or mimicking the behaviors of role models. But that has to lead to an internalization of positive habits, which then requires constant practice. Because in the absence of con constant practice, you wouldn't live virtuously in a consistent way. See, for a virtue ethicist, morality is always a matter of a particular specific individual responding to a particular situation. And every situation is extremely specific and are so particular that no rule could be used to cover every situation. That is why creative capacity to reason on individual circumstances cannot be put into any such formula. So a person needs to constantly use creative moral judgment guided by virtues. If you come back to the ABC model that we talked about early on in this series, focusing on the actor or looking at the A in our ABC models helps you understand what virtue ethics is getting at. It's looking at the character of the person involved and making a judgment about what they ought to do based on what type of character they possess.